real, and it's upon us. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the pro wrestling edition as we filleth that syringe until it's runneth over with another can't miss all in dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, in fact, the voice that you hear, and I think you can hear it in my voice that I'm fired the heck up to ask you the only question that matters in professional wrestling for the second straight week to start this show. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brandy? Oh, come on. Oh, wow, oh, Brandy. Come on, Brandy. All in, indeed, because this past weekend, all in from Chicago was all over the timeline, all over the weekend, all over my screens, all over my heart and soul. And you best believe your boys from the ITC will have you covered this week with a full rec- recap of the landmark independent professional wrestling event and what it means for the future of the art form. Without the elite, wrestling is boring and it sucks. Uh, Some people do believe that, Kenny. I will tell you that. And for you diehard WWE fans out there like the Silver King himself, we've got you covered on the fallout from a very ambitious yet ultimately absurd three hours of Raw on Monday and another solid helping of SmackDown on Tuesday in our week that was from the worldwide leader in sports entertainment. I am sick of sports entertainment. And most of all, I'm sick of you fans. Whoa, 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 Joey Styles, don't, don't give away the story here and say something you're going to regret about our listeners or pro wrestling in general. We will get into that in much more detail as the show progresses. Look, I got nothing to sell you this week besides my soul and the hope that you'll do your part on the other end with a five-star review. You already know what it's all about. It's all about divide. It is, people. Get out there. Tell us what you like about the show. You're already telling us in the DMs and on Twitter. Tell us in the review spot. It'll feel fuel and fill my review hole if you know where I'm going with this. Anyway, enough of the nonsense. No long intros today. We got to get right into the meat. Here's the guy with the giant steak knives to help take you there. He's my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh yeah, it's Indie Week on this show. Let's see what this guy's got to say. The Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, I made two fantasy draft selections during that intro, just so you know. Oh, wow. Wow. Triple heart. Neither were good. Triple bypass surgery. Go, you know, there, there's a lot you could have done during that during that intro, but I shortened it for you because I don't even want to fool around, Adam. I want to I want to know how you're doing, whether you've recovered from your sickness and illness, because I got a sickness that's called all-in fever, brother, and I want to get right into the main event and talk about it, unless you got anything you want to say before then. Hit the music. This is the Let's start with All In because really there's nowhere else to start this week, especially when you consider what the product WWE put out over the last uh, couple days. Actually, that's not so totally fair, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, Brian, you know, I'll speak for myself here, right? Uh, All In was obviously Saturday, September 1st from Chicago or just outside of Chicago. Uh, 11,000 professional wrestling fans filled the Sears Center and saw what I will call the best non-wrestling pay-per-view in America, sorry, non-WrestleMania, I'm sorry, pay-per-view in America since I'm shrugging. I don't know. WCW? Uh, Well, no, because no WCW pay-per-views were ever good. So my my point more so than anything else being that was a special show. Now, 
I, as the college football editor, lead college football editor here at CBS Sports, was unable to watch Saturday night. I know you did not either, but what we both did was came back Sunday and watched it. I did first thing in the morning. You know, talk to me as you were going through this show, as you're watching it. When did it hit home for you during the broadcast that this is something special? You know, it, it really was that Cody match. And I just want to say right off the start with the show, with the impact, what it means, what I was feeling. Wow! Did you feel that? It was the storytelling of that Cody match. Adam, this wasn't perfection, this show. But in a weird spot where they already delivered on the attendance, so they already kind of won, yet they still had to come through with a great show. It wasn't a perfect show. But this was the moment, but it was damn good, and it lived up to expectations, and it opened the door for a future that could be so bright, and it was this moment mid-card, and granted, it had been good before this. Not great, it had been good to really good, but this Cody match, the attention to detail, the storytelling, a natural, easy, simple story of Cody connecting with his late father and, and equaling and living out his father's dreams and, and bringing back the old brand of the NWA. And look, Nick Aldis is, is a fine opponent, but this didn't have the potential to be a, a high star number, steal your heart type of thing, but it kind of stole my soul because it was so epic in the way they told it. And this match to me, Adam, was kind of a microcosm of the whole card and that there was something for everyone to see the legend callbacks, to see DDP coming through with the blade job and Cody with the blonde hair. Holy crap, Adam. We're not all positive here. I'm going to tell you in our little rant here a couple things I didn't love about All In that could be approved. Let's get to that later. But in this moment, it was the Cody match midway through that I said something special is truly happening here. It's not just the crowd, the energy, the fact that everybody in the building wants this to be a genre-changing night for the, for the business, the industry, the careers of those involved. This match told a classic story that hit you in the field spot, and I knew whatever came next was only going to escalate. And, I, and, and I, I'm so drunk on how this card made me feel. Has NXT put out better takeover cards? Yes. Has other entities, NJPW? Yes. But this card felt special, and that was my favorite moment. Sure. Well, I actually really wasn't asking your favorite moment. I was more so asking when you knew it was going to meet your expectations. So is that the same moment? That's the same moment. And it only, okay. it only grew from there. So mine was actually really early in the show, and it was the Battle Royal in the zero-hour kickoff. And it sounds strange because, at least in WWE, and I'm not going to be drawing comparisons because you know I hate doing that, especially when it's unnecessary, but I, I will a little bit later. Um, but in WWE, usually when you have a battle royal on a kickoff show, it's a way to get people on the show. And that was some of the purpose here as well, just to get a lot of independent talent on, some big names, Bully Ray and some of those guys in there. But that was one of the best booked battle royals. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that Bully Ray is the one who did it. But it was one of the best booked battle royals I can remember. You knew Flip Gordon was whoever that luchador was the entire time, obviously. Okay? Chico El Luchador. Chico El Luchador. Um, you knew it was him. But the way it progressed, the way they did so many suicide dives, forgetting the whole we try not to do the rope thing, even though you have to go over the top. But let's kind of ignore that and make it an exciting match. It was so much fun. And the crowd was having such a good time that I said, this will not be bad. Like, I already had a feeling it wouldn't be bad, but that told me it was going to be a good show. And then by immediately following that up, actually, I think I'm going to correct myself. The show started with Cody and the Young Bucks coming out. 
So that kickoff part, I liked. The first match, I was like, the tag team match is an ROH match. I don't care about either team, whatever. But as soon as that battle royal hit, I said, you know what? This is going to be a real show. And it wasn't just the match. It was the production. It was the set. The ring looked nice. The ring apron. The graphics. Everything felt like a real wrestling production. And what's interesting is that apparently Sinclair Broadcasting and ROH played a role in that. But it looked 50 times better than any ROH production I've ever seen. So I don't know how that makes sense. They played a small that's... role. They didn't. They weren't the backbone of the show like some people thought. Like they helped in certain areas, but this really was a Cody and Bucks production across the board. And you didn't end up seeing Adam like seventy-five banners for advertisements sold. That was a very clean look of the no, ring. No, but there and were some, as opposed to there being none. Like we were told, there were some. So let's not let's not act like it was sponsor free. I'm just saying. But they didn't gratuitously throw it in your face and be like, this Correct. is the only way we could have done this. They presented a really clean, classic looking. Except for the Cracker Barrel that literally got rolled and mentioned seven times in a single segment. But yes, you're right. Other than that, it was very, very clean. And I'm not being sarcastic. Go ahead. Uh, it just looked professional. And I had the same, I don't know if fear is the right word, but the whole idea of will, will this look like how some of the average Ring of Honor shows does, which looks very indie. Whereas NJPW seems to have a more intense professional look. This was fantastic in that area. It satisfied that. And that was also part of the overall theme that I mentioned. It really did have something for everybody. You know, from the first time dream match of of Omega and Penta, and they delivered to the callbacks of the uh, of the legends to Tessa Blanchard coming out with her dad, Tully and her stepdad, Magnum T.A. And like, I mean, just it had so many of those great moments. Jay Lethal and Lanny Poffo. Again, it wasn't a perfect card, but have you exited a card feeling that good? And I know some of it plays into the, especially if you're a revolution guy like me, the want for this card to have meant what it could have. There's that, that's a big part of it. You can, it could lead you to over grade it, overvalue it, but it just felt so damn fresh, so varied. So anything was possible. I know we didn't end up getting the 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 punk run in with a promo, you know, or Daniel Bryan breaking. Well, that was your expectation. It that wasn't an the... expectation. It was a possibility. So I'm not okay. using that as a potential disappointment. I guess oh, I'm using it as a compliment. Yeah. I'm saying that those things were in play to whatever percentage you gave them. But in the end, they didn't get them and they didn't need them. And the only thing I questioned in our preview was, although they had stars, did they have enough stars? And granted, we ended up getting the Jericho run in, which 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 felt, you know, felt cool. But they didn't need them. They had, uh, in the end, they relied on themselves. And I want to quickly get in because this is going to be this is going to be all love. So I want to quickly get into the only areas that they may have failed, because the thing I kind of like about this is it wasn't perfect, which shows you there is room for them to approve. If improve, if there's going to be an all in two, or if there's going to be a I don't know a promotion, or if there's going to be anything that this escalates to, there's a lot of area for improvement here. I thought they, they botched the handling of the timing and which match was in the main event, while that six-man match was friggin' incredible as just a straight-up spot fest with six amazing athletes. I really felt like Cody should have main evented his own show because the storyline was that great, and you had legends, and the crowd would have went nuts, or even Kenny and Penta, and let them just t- peel faces, and you have the Jericho run-in, or did it, do it the way they do it. But manage the time better where that post-match stuff, which we all saw on Twitter, or a lot of us did, with Cody and the Bucks giving real heartfelt speeches, Kenny, Rey Mysterio. If that stuff, Adam, could have been part of the broadcast, I think it would have made a giant impact on people's hearts and souls to realize what that event meant to the business, what it meant to those guys, what it meant to their future. 
so my criticisms there are, are pretty minor in the end, but I felt like it, it could have been an even bigger presentation. We could have exited here feeling even better, where it kind of felt a little ho-hum at the end, the way they botched the timing and they let... Okada and Skrull go 26 minutes, which didn't really make a lot of sense. It seemed to botch it. But like I said, I'm spinning that optimistically forward and saying they can only improve from here. But if Cody had been the walkout, man, the field spot would have been overridden. So you you couldn't put that in the main event because it was too old school of a match. And I, and I appreciate the fact that they made it the mid-show main event. But the problem was the pageantry that, they, that went along with it was main event pageantry. So you don't have to put that in the final spot. But it needs nothing that uh, succeeds it can be less than, if that makes sense. So it, what it should have been is the six man third to last, that second to last, and Kenny and Pentagon in the main event. Because let's be honest, that was the best match on the show. It was the most anticipated match on the show. And it was probably the two best wrestlers on the show, not counting Okada. Now that said, the Okada scroll match, I wasn't anticipating before. You know, we talked about it on our preview show. It blew me away in terms of exceeding my expectations. And the fact that it was 26 minutes in time flew by for me. Looking back on it, it was, well, that went 26. The actual planned main event went however long, 12, <laughs> something like that. You can't let that happen. And, and, and while I disagree with you that they needed the post-show ring segment on TV, because that's not really how you end a broadcast, a wrestling show. You don't end with a non-kayfabe moment like that. Because the fair. intro, when they started the kickoff show, that was in kayfabe. So you don't come back and do that at the end. I'm okay with that being off the air. But you cannot have a match end and go off the air 30 seconds later. It just, I put it, the, the main event was fine. It was exciting. I didn't like that. I think it was Matt took like the 619 and two other finishers and kicked out. It, it just was sloppy. It was rushed. Um, that doesn't mean it wasn't good, but it was, a put like you said, a little damper on an otherwise fantastic show. The other damper I had, if we're going to be critical, was the women's match for two reasons. One, they came out ahead of time and said, this is going to be the greatest women's wrestling match of all time. It wasn't the greatest women's wrestling match that week, okay? And I expected more from them. I don't think that's unfair to say. Um, when you have that type of talent and that type of match, maybe it shouldn't have been a fatal four-way. Maybe it should have been one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know. I didn't like it. And the Hangman Page, uh, Joey Janela match, while that was entertaining, um, and, and that his finisher off the ladder, you know, into the table was awesome and really, you know, bloody. Uh, I didn't love it. The oh, the, the no. five white the five white penises. Well, and all hold on, that. well, pause it right there. That mm. was great because they were going for what it was. They were going for basically ECW violent Chicago, Chicago street fight. I, I mean, that's what Joey Janela does. He jumped off the side of a building into a pickup truck. I mean, that's what these guys do. And I thought they, they, they painted that portrait of what they were trying to do great. And then the payoff of Joey Ryan and the penises, which there you get your comedy skit. And it was yeah. well handled. And Adam, I got instantly after this card ended. And, and I, I showered it with some sober yet very excited tweets about how Same. I felt the show went. I got, I was surprised. I got about six or seven tweets coming at me that were negative of, of pro WWE fans who were like, you know, you talk too much about the revolution. You're going to overblow that show on your 
podcast next week. I know you will, but here's what you don't understand. No stories were ever told. There were no storylines. There was a bunch of big bull. spot fit matches. That, that's bull. Exactly. The, st- yeah. the way they weaved in, like they had certain reveals and story turns that you had to have watched every episode of Being the Elite and actually been really in tune to what's going on to be rewarded with what you saw. So there was story payoffs. There were... Dude, they, dude, they took a dog and a pair of boots and paid those off in storylines as part of the show. You had the Legends callback, like I mentioned. You had the ridiculously violent matches. You had the attempt at a really big women's match. You had what everything. It really put both feet right in your feel hole and gave you the coup de grace from old Finn Balor, who should have been with him on this card, by the yeah. way. Another topic for another day, Adam. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I think, and granted, those comments came to you before we're actually having this conversation, but you and I, we, we should kind of break the fourth wall a little bit. I said to Brian, I do not want to talk to you about All In until the show. So we've had no conversations and we, I feel are exactly aligned on how good the show was, what we liked, maybe what we liked and what we didn't like is slightly different, but I was thoroughly entertained by that show. And I think what's being lost on a lot of people is that was not a wrestling show. That was not dominion. It was not wrestle kingdom. That's what WWE can do. And I don't like making the comparisons to NJPW because I find that unfair. But making a comparison to this is completely fair. Now, granted, they had one three, four-hour show after a year of storylines, and they produced 20-minute episodes a week. So granted, I'm putting that out there. Whereas WWE is doing seven hours of TV and a three- to five-hour pay-per-view every month. It's different. It's not comparable in that way. That said, that was a sports entertainment show, not a wrestling show. Mm. They paid off storylines in every single, almost every single match and weaved it in with great wrestling. So you cannot tell me that, oh, this is just a wrestling product and that's all what people like. That was just as much of a sports entertainment show as anything WWE has put on in the last year. We're not sports entertainers. We are professional wrestlers. Exactly. Now I get the spirit of what you're saying. I will argue and say, that was pro wrestling, but I get what you're saying. It had the enough. Terms, the terms are relevant. I'm it talking had, about it's right. more than just matches. It had variety. It had comedy. It, you're right. Because if this came, if the, if that was just a spot fest indie show, then you could have people coming out and saying, "Well, for what it was in that category, sure, congratulations, guys." But I like WWE because I like this, 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 and this. You're right. They 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 tried to please everybody, and and they did win in that regard. And we got to just press pause for a second, and really give them the due. Nobody has done this in America since WCW, sell 10,000 tickets. But it's not just that they did that. It was a show that felt like the business changed a little bit or the door opened. Or if you had never believed in the revolution, now you might. They sold 11,000 tickets, Adam, sight unseen. Only hinting at three or four big names that were going to be at the show. Not knowing the matches. Not knowing the feel or the setup. They used... A YouTube show in 2018 with no connection to, you know, no big time. It's not like ROH was telling them, here's the angles you need to put on there. Or New Japan no, was saying, you know, they, booked it. they yeah. worked in, in harmony with those guys, but they built the show organically on their own. Originally just a travel log that turned into, hey, let's get ourselves over and develop our characters. And it was really that show that sold that many tickets sight unseen. And then they delivered. And they did something that never gets done in wrestling. People from different companies with different financial bottom lines 
work together. Like this model to, to go against WWE, it's already been done. When Vince went national in the 80s, they tried a trio, or was it four super clash cards that brought together Memphis, World Class, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, AWA. They never worked out because the promoters could never agree on whose guy would go over. In a lot of cases, people didn't get paid because Vern Gagne would kind of screw everybody. Like, there's been a lot of reasons why those cards didn't deliver. They didn't move big pay-per-view numbers. They didn't do much, Adam, and they didn't have a chance to do much. We're going to get into the long term in a minute of what this means. But it felt like this could have been a new archetype, a new, a new vision for what the business is. Right now, the vision to us is if you're not competing with WWE, who are you? And everything is exclusive in-house. And they're showing you that there's a... And I know you can argue and say, oh, it's a fairy tale. All these guys are up against WWE, so they all want to work together to get themselves over. I don't know. I felt like there was a correlation and a connection and everybody buying in. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a future like Kenny and Cody in, 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 uh, in the Bucks want where they could go to WWE for two months ahead of WrestleMania but not be tied down and, and signed to them. That's a dream scenario that may never happen under a McMahon-Levesque-controlled business. But I think they showed you that things are possible now that we never thought before, Adam. Before you and I get into the long term, though, I want to bring in somebody who was there to give us a whole different insider perspective on what they saw. Adam, who I want to bring in is one of our dedicated listeners, a fella by the name of Cody Masters. You can follow him on Twitter, at the Cody Masters, who's a listener, who's a fan of wrestling like us, who happened to not only be at All In, and a few of our listeners have, and we're going to hear from a couple in a minute, but he had a very interesting perspective. Cody Masters, thank you for joining the ITC, my friend. I'm so stoked to be here with you guys. How's it going? Going great. And before we get your take on why you were there, how you were backstage, what you saw, what you experienced from that perspective, I we just met, basically. I don't know what angle you're coming. So the fans, they, they think sometimes I'm anti-WWE. I'm trying to set them up here. I'm trying to play them. What is your pro wrestling fandom stance entering this event? Are you a guy who can hear Jimmy and you get it and you get the revolution? Are you WWE for life? Are you somewhere in the middle? Where are you at entering this event? God, I feel like I'm somewhat of a moderate, but I definitely, I'm all in on the, on the revolution here. I got to tell you, if it counts for anything, after being at All In and watching All In, I didn't watch SmackDown or Raw this week because I just didn't want to be taken off of the high I was on coming out of that weekend. Wow. Love and hate. Get it wrong. You didn't want to come back down from this cloud. <laughs> I mean, it's taking you all this there time, Cody. Dude, I've been watching since I was eight years old. There were wrestlers that I got to talk to over the weekend, and you you know, you know, realize so many of them are fans just like we are, and they want to know your first memory. And I only have the one first memory of my brother and I. I think I was probably seven, eight years old. An earthquake jumps off of a stage. Squat lands on top of Hogan's chest. Everybody starts freaking out and fade to black. I burst into tears. My brother's freaking out. My mom can't make sense of it. I remember that just like it was yesterday. And I've never stopped watching since. And so I've been on the roller coaster ride this whole time. And I think I speak for so many of us. And so many of the people that I got to backstage and talk to on Saturday night. This is a special moment. And there are guys like Christopher Daniels, 48 years old, that have been doing this for 20 years. They just looked me eye to eye and said, this was never supposed to happen. We've never been here before. We never thought we would have been here. This is the coolest thing I ever saw would happen in this industry, and it is a game changer. You know, to hear, to, to follow on Twitter, which we all did, everyone who was a part of it basically tweeted that same thing. So you had a really inside take, like we mentioned. Tell us as much as you can tell us 
how you got backstage, why you were there. Are you? Can I call you a aspiring celebrity chef? Who are you outside of being an ITC listener? Uh, dude, I've done a couple little things here and there, but yeah, I was a I was an executive chef out in New York City in a couple of restaurants, and um, really not my jam. Uh, 80, 90, 100 hour weeks. And so I went back to school and studied nutrition and became a food scientist. And now I run a research and development kitchen in Austin, Texas. About a year ago, though, I was out in LA for eight years. And my sister is a publicist at Netflix. So I got introduced to a lot of people in the industry, got to go to a lot of events and just sort of friends through friends. I became acquainted and pretty close with some people that work at CW including people that are on the cast of Arrow and that write for Arrow nice. and that are associated with that you know, golden age of superhero television that's taking place on that network. So when this announced, I'm sorry, when the event was announced and I saw the, even a male's name added to it, I just reached out to friends and said, hey, like I'm going to be at this regardless, but you guys think you're going to want to come out and watch Steven do this? Text came back, got you covered, don't get a ticket, don't worry about it. All right, booked my room. Actually got a tattoo. I got a CM Punk tattoo on my leg on Saturday at Wrestle uh, Starcast. <laughs> dude, you're a mark. So I love this. I did, dude, I totally am. So I did the whole thing. Like, I, I mean, I was at I went to 12 events in Mania Weekend, and I was solo the whole time. Like, I would do what I would normally do as a fan, but I just had in the back of my head, like, this may really play out into something that I don't fully understand yet. But I'm thinking we just get good seats, and we're going to just chill out, and, and it's going to get figured out. Told to meet at the arena at four o'clock, get to the arena, walk up to my friend Karina. She's got a badge on that says all access. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And she goes, no, this is yours. Takes it off. And I'm like, wait, I thought we were just getting seats. And she goes, no, 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 we're hanging out in Steven's locker room. Come on, let's go back there. At that point, now all bets are off. And so I walk backstage, they take it through this little entrance, walk past Chris Gorilla, see the ramp see the fans sitting out there and then everybody on the card and then some are just standing in front of me in this little hallway. We walk through all of them. I nod, say hello to a couple guys, like so out of my element. And then we go into Steven's locker room and there's Steven and Chris starting to plan out their match. So that's how it all starts. Oh, and that's man. where we're at right as the event's about to go down. He's not all in Adam. He's all in that feel hole right there. He's behind the walls. He's seeing what we're all imagining. Yeah, I mean, he's all in backstage is where he is, which is really the best place you can possibly be outside of maybe row one uh, ringside, I would say. Did, so you're back there with John Mayer. I mean, is his body a wonderland? What, you got to share some stories of what you saw back there. So we, I walked past John Mayer, and I'm with some friends, and I look, and I go, yo, I think that was John Mayer. And they're like, no, nah, that's crazy. And we just kept walking. And then it was like the next day on Twitter or something. It's like celebrity people at all in, and there's John Mayer's face. I'm like, I knew that's who it was. But the craziest part was that, like, even before Steven's match, you just see people practicing. And so, like, Lethal and Flip are back there working on something, but they hadn't even had zero for yet. And so I was looking at that, and I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then it kind of hit me, like, oh, maybe Flip's going to take this one, and that's how he's going to end up on the card. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, then we go in, and Chris Daniels sits on the couch. I'm sitting right next to him, start talking shop with him, and then he's just like, man, there's going to be some really exciting things that happen tonight. I don't want to say too much, but, you know, you guys get really excited. Here's the catch, though. Of the eight of us that were in that locker room with those passes, I was the only fan of any sort. Steven's wife was there, so she's pulling for him, but more so that she just doesn't want him to get hurt. Uh, you know, I described sort of this event and what it felt like after it is like the Woodstock of boxing, and that's something that Cody said as well in the lead-ups. Uh, but 
Wrestling, yeah. yeah of wrestling, uh, yeah. Uh, did you did it feel like that? I mean, you're you're actually why you're there when you know these guys are coming back through the curtain. I mean, you're there when Lanny is putting the Macho yeah. Man jacket on Jay Lethal. Did did you feel like everybody felt like this was something that could change the game? Dude, so after the Steven match was over, we went straight back to the locker room. People asked me, do you want to stay up here and watch? But hell no. Let me go back down where we just were. I'll sit on the monitors. I get back down there, and it's the first time I'd ever had that perspective of Steven and Chris are in the locker room at this time. And when we walk in, Amel is shaking. His adrenaline is at an all-time high. And then you look at Daniels, who is cool as a cucumber, who's done this for 20 years and just knows how to process it. And Steven's like, my hip's hurting. I don't know why my hip hurts. My fingers, fingers were blue because he was laying in those chops so hard. He freaked out. Chris is trying to calm him down. His wife's calming him down. They're giving him a beer. They're giving him some ice. And then Amel looks at me and goes, how was that? And I point and I go, you mean me? And he goes, yeah, you're the fan. He goes, how was that? And then Chris Daniels looks at me and says, hey, I think I missed that first moonsault. How did it look? And I was like, nah, dude, you missed it. I was like, you only hit your hands. And he's like, yeah, but I hit the second one. I was like, yeah, you nailed the second one. And then Mel's like, what about that table? How did it look when I went to the table? And I was like, bro, you, you dominated that table, man. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I dominated that table. He was so jacked and so fired up that, like, it just his body needed to calm down a little bit. But, it's, again, at these moments, I'm like, oh, this is just – I'm just one of the dudes back here right now talking shop. So then Kaz comes in. Then Moose comes in. And then Poffo comes in holding Randy's jacket in his hand. And I look, and he's just kind of standing in the corner of the room. And so I'm like, hey, man, come in and join us. He's like, no, no, no. And so I walk over, and I shake his hand. I'm like, yo, man, no joke. I have an action figure of your brother on my desk in my kitchen. I go, my favorite wrestler of all time. He's like, that's really cool. I really appreciate that. He's all, can I ask you something? And I said, yeah. And he's like, do you have two minutes for me to read you a poem? And I was like, yeah, read me a poem, bro. He reads me a two-minute poem about Richard Nixon. And I just sit there, and in my head, I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. Like, this guy's reading me a Richard Nixon poem? Like, where is this coming from? But then he walks out, and he's like, well, I got to go get Jay's jacket. And I was like, okay, it was really nice to meet you. And I pat him on his back, and he walks out the room. So I step out of the locker room, and Chris walks out with me. And we're watching, and I was just like, because I had asked Chris in the locker room, like, who are some young guys that you're really high on right now? And Flip was the first person he named. So we walk out, and he's all, he kind of says, he's all, look, they're warming up for the match. He's like, this kid, man, he's got so much potential. And I said, yeah. I said, plus guys like you and Jay that came out of TNA, I'm like, you guys got a second win right now, too. It's so cool. You guys get to do that. And he's all, Cody, he's like, you don't understand how cool this is. Like, look what they're doing. He goes, they're practicing the first five minutes of Savage versus Steamboat from WrestleMania. That's what they're going to do out there. And I was like, you're shitting me. And he goes, no. He goes, that's, that's it, man. They're practicing. He goes, and then later in the match, they're going to switch over to the Hulk Warriors sort of style. And you'll know exactly when that's about to happen. That's awesome. So having that sort of insight. And then I look down and Chris points to the jacket that Jay's going to wear. And he goes, and that jacket? He goes, that's Randy's jacket. He's like, that was brought for him to wear out tonight. And that is legit one of Savage's jackets that he wore at an event back in the WWE days. That's, and I was like, that's the kind of stuff right there, man. That's when, that's when you start to get the feel. All right, that's the gold right there. And, and, and dude, holy crap. Yeah. I bet you got stories for days. Great experience. We appreciate you sharing them. I want to ask you one more thing in closing here. Is for yeah. Cody and the Bucks, 
Well, well, no, sorry. 1A. Real quick, did you see Jericho at all? And did you know he was there before that reveal? Nobody saw Jericho, but Chris knew. And so when the lights went out, we all jumped up and I made a joke. I was like, oh, who's it going to be? All the, the internet speculation. Is it going to be Neville? Is it going to be Kevin Owens? It's The Undertaker. And we're all laughing. And Chris grabs my shoulder and he goes, just watch. You have no idea what's going to happen, but you're going to love it. Oh, and wow. so we all just sort of get quiet. And when the lights come back on and Penn is laying there, he rolls over and goes up to attack Kenny. And there was another fan in the room with me at that point. And he's like, how did he get up so fast? And I was like, that's not Penna. I was all, that's Jericho's dad, Bob. Look at that eagle tattoo he has on his elbow. <laughs> and they started laughing, and then he ripped the mask off, and it was Jericho. So that was, that, was, that was pretty rad, man. Everybody got really fired up at that moment. All right, that was a great story. Now, to close here, for Cody and the Bucks, and we know what this meant to them, do you have any nugget, any story, facial expression, anything you saw back there which showed exactly what it did mean to them, whether that was nerves, whether that was, you know, tears, pure joy. What were they like back there as this event is unfolding? So all came in periodically to the room while I was in there. Obviously uh, for the Bucks is before their match. Uh, Steven and his friends, they only wanted to stay to watch Cody's match. And so I actually went out up towards the gorilla position to watch Cody's match. And then after it was over, I go back to the locker room. About five minutes later, Cody comes in to Steven's locker room. Got the belt over his arm. The belt walks in with him. Brandy's right behind him. He's got the title over his arm. Brandy and, and Pharaoh are with him. And so I shake his hand when he comes in. And it's just like, hey, man, that was really cool. Congratulations. But he wanted to get to Steven and be like, hey, and he's thanking him so much. That was the craziest thing. Steven's just doing it. Steven's one, like, rule for doing this match was he said, I'll only do it if I lose. Which I was, and I told him afterwards, I was like, that's the respectful thing to do coming into the industry the way you did. So that was really cool. But Cody, after his match, after this monumental storybook title win, he comes in to check on him again. How you doing? I know you're probably going to take off now. They hug, they take a picture together. And then Cody goes to leave. And I was just like, hey, Cody. And he turns around and I put my hand out again. And I was like, yo, dude, not trying to be weird. I hope it doesn't come across that way. I just want you to know how proud of you I am. And he like kind of looked back and slurped, and I go, I know, I know. I said, but I've been there since day one with you, bud. And I just want you to know how proud I am of what you've done tonight and the title you've won and everything you've done since you walked away from WWE. I think it is so cool. It is so inspiring. And for guys like me, for fans like us, we get it. We love it. And all I can do is say thank you to you. And he shook his head and got kind of quiet, and he's all. It means a lot, man. Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. And he turned and walked away. Then you walk out into the hallway and you see, and the Bucks are out there and Marty and they're all hugging them and they're all celebrating and they're all smiles. It was like that the whole night, man. I didn't see one person bummed out. The only, if I got like two more minutes, the funniest thing was that during the uh, Kenny match, uh, Marty was running around freaking out because he's like, we can't pop the crowd after this. We're not going to be able to pop the crowd after this. <laughs> they're too fired up right now. They're going to be dead when we go out there. And Chris Daniels and Kaz are standing next to me. And Chris is like, look at this effing guy. Like, he's freaking out. And I was like, yeah, doesn't he understand that everybody that's here is going to pop regardless of what happens? He could just go out there and cut a promo and it'll be the coolest thing we've ever seen before. That's why we're here right now. So he goes out and has his match. Then he runs back and we see him come back. And the first thing he says when he comes back out of Gorilla, he's like, you got it pop for an effing brain buster, mate. He was so fired up and so stoked on the match. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think it was just cool to see everybody so stoked and fired up on life and I, I mean, it just was, it, it was the game changer that we all think it was going to be. And 
there was nothing but love and positivity in that locker room area the entire you know five hours i was back there just based off of everything that was happening at the cody masters on twitter hey you're just like one of us. You marked out. You had a great moment. You got an inside view yes, of a very important night in professional wrestling history. Not necessarily sports entertainment, Adam, although I get what you were saying. Cody, thank you for joining us and dropping a little knowledge and know-how. Hey, frame that ticket, all right? I hope you bought some merch, you know, something. I did, man. Yeah, fellas, thank you so much. Uh, keep it up. It's one of my favorite podcasts you got going on right now. So I love it. I listen every week. And, uh, you know, just thank you for giving me a little bit of time here to share my story. You got Thanks, it, man. Hey, cool little inside baseball chat there with the Cody Masters. It, w- it, was, it was cool that he reached out and shared his stories. And Adam, we got great listeners on the ITC. We had a handful of them who were at the All-In, who were on the front lines of the revolution along with Cody Masters. They sent us their thoughts. I wanted to, to read a couple here. Sure. We got uh, Christopher Wren at C-N-Y-R-E-N. Uh, he came in with a DM saying, I love WWE and fantasize about the easy dream matchups and the big spotlight made available by them. But watching Kenny Omega versus Pentagon made me realize the greater good. We have to keep the once in a decade talent of the golden elite independent. So do you agree with that? Not short term because short term, I think most people would agree they should be independent, but do you agree with that long term? I do. I'm like preach it brother. And you know, there are a lot of people, including our, our buddy Jack Jorgensen, Jacko of CBS Sports. was like, sorry, sorry, BC. Next next spring, you're going to see the Bucks with WWE. Them, but they, oh, there's no. too much money. They're going to be throwing it at them. And I'm like, look, we're going to see all these guys with WWE eventually, probably when they're 40, like an AJ Styles situation, okay? Or if the revolution somehow folds before then. Or if the idea of what All In is constructing does evolve to the point where there is some future where there will be some cross-pollination without independent contracts. We don't know that. But in terms of the one or two years from now, how the heck is Kenny, Cody, and the Bucks, Adam, and this is a serious question, going to go back to a structured system again when they just proved that they could do what is really the impossible? They, you know, they didn't rely on Ring of Honor all the way here or NJPW. They booked and financially supported an entire card. And, and whether you're on the side of the, that says, okay, that's one card. That's your Super Bowl. That's great. Sustain it. That's another argument. But I'm just saying, they're making so much money and they have creative freedom that others don't have. They're not giving that up in two years. Maybe five to ten, not in two. Christopher well, I, I think five to ten is, is stretching it. But um, there's something to be said for that. I agree with you. You know, anyone thinking they're going this year is wrong. So... That, I'm going to say that straight up. My assumption is anyone that signs them is going to ask them for the money that they're going to command to give a two-year deal. So my thought process would be two years from the end of their contracts now to what that new date is, whatever the hell that is. That's kind of where I would look at something to potentially happen. There's a big difference, and we're going to get into this after these DMs, but there's a big difference in running a show, running an annual show, and running a promotion. And If you want to talk about the money earning potential of these guys, that earning potential is not going to be reached by a YouTube show and and some T-shirts. But it It is. But it already is right now. It's already sustainable. But it's not. Yes. But I'm saying earning the the max, the earning potential, what WWE will offer them. I would be surprised if they can match it next year based on what they're doing. That doesn't mean it's impossible. They may get to the point where they run four shows a year based off the end. They work it out with ring of honor, new Japan. And if they do that, 
and they put the tickets at the right price and they put put them in venues of 15, 18,000 and they regularly sell those out at cities that are not Chicago and New York, okay, they never need to go. What they if they got become it, the indie all-star game? They 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 handle the indie majors. Well, imagine that. I mean, that's that's incredible if that's so what I'm, that. Well, it would never be that way if you if you consider New Japan an indie, which I don't, but if you did, they're not they're not giving us Dominion or Wrestle Kingdom. And even if you go to Impact and Ring of Honor, I don't even know what Ring of Honor's biggest show is, whatever, but like Slammiversary. So that's for Impact. So my point is like, the the gap between now and what is potential money making, you know, potential for them, it's wide. So for me to say, oh, they need to stay independent and they should stay independent forever, no, not if WWE is going to come in and offer you five million dollars. Okay, but but I see, I don't this was a good start. And I get what you're saying. There's going, there's everyone has a level of money. Everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. Everybody's got a level of money that they at can't some turn point, down. At some age, at, at, and it's not selling out, and it's not the creativity or any of that even. But you're right. It's the structure. All right. Let's get into these final DMs before we wrap up on the future. I want to read one from Tony B at T Barg 37. We've heard from him before. He says, all in was amazing to be at live. Wouldn't have been there without this podcast, the ITC. I get why you get so passionate when we get shows like all in and WWE is doing shows like fast lane. Hey, quote Tony B T Barg's 37, Adam, nevermore. You're damn right. Yeah, I mean, I'm great, great. I'm grateful from him that he listened to the show and went there. I, I don't see any merch in my inbox or anything coming down. Where's the thank you? I mean, this is the thank you we get. Jeez, maybe, maybe you got it. Maybe you got to change your persona and be more user friendly. I, I, I got great. Oh, relationships. I need to change my, this coming from Mister Pessimism over the last. I got month. great relationships with our listeners. You know where I was this morning, just on offhand, having coffee with the great Thanos Backland. At Talkbox, our guy, one of the Mount Rushmores of this show, Adam, along with the great Tristan Adelano, along with Omar Al Rashid, the OG D Midi brand, a couple of our other original core guys. Thanos Backlin was passing through my cité. Is that core with two R's? Wow, wow. He was passing through my cité. We got coffee. He shared some local delicacies with me, some local craft beer from where he's from. We had a great little chat about how he was live in 06 for that ECW one night stand pay-per-view. Well, you know, you connect with the listeners, you know, you, you, I, don't I, was, you, I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't know what local delic- delicacies exist in Connecticut and Vermont, except for maple syrup or something, but how dare you? Okay. How All right. dare you? So I want to move on from this though, and just kind of get back to what we were talking about before. Uh, Chris Ma- I say Chris Masters. I know his name wasn't Chris Masters. Cody Masters uh, joined us on the show. Did you have something before? Yeah, we I got one that? more DM. We got one more person who was there. You didn't sign on my sheet right here. Okay, sorry. At, from John Paglio at John Paglio, we've heard from him again. He says, "Okay, here we go." When it comes to wrestling, I agree with Adam. In which, yes, I know of the indies and follow them, but my attention is on WWE. I didn't watch All In Live and didn't plan to watch it at all. However, after seeing both BC and Adam rave about it and some other wrestling friends on Twitter, I decided to watch it today. I can now say that I can feel that the matches were thrown together, but the stories were woven through so effortlessly for the first time in 15 years of wrestling. It gave me the chills that Cody entrance was unbelievable. I'll be watching for the Indies and joining the revolution bandwagon. I'm hooked to follow up on that to close. I purposely didn't watch all in live or have an interest because of the lack of storylines and no real build on television. I admit now that I was totally wrong. And I'll be buying all in 
two. This is so, a good subway segue, Adam, into how they have changed the game with all in. This guy sure. missed the build and storylines because he didn't watch uh, being the elite, and he probably didn't watch the you know the NJPW, which kind of set up a lot of this. Well, well, that's kind of what I was going to say. Is and Noah, you know, I'm glad he watched it again. Thanks for kind of listening to us and giving it an opportunity. But there's a difference between there not being storylines on TV and there not being storylines because this was like I said storyline heavy. Like most of the matches on this card were built in storylines over six to 12 months on being the elite. That's number one. Number two, I don't want to be this guy, but this wasn't really an indie show. Like it was a pay-per-view for being the elite really more than anything. This is not what you get when you go to an indie show. You get really good matches and you saw some of that with the, the Marty and Okada, again, you're not going to get Okada at a general indie. Kenny, Pentagon, if you're lucky you get them at an indie, you're probably not. That Pentagon's actually wrestling Thursday night down here in South Florida, and I have to miss it due to NFL kickoff. Can you believe that? So this wasn't so much indie, although it featured indie performers. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Is that fair? That's fair. So I want to ask you, revolution, anti-revolution guy. I, it's I, not anti-revolution. No, it's anti the term. Out. It's Just the hear term. me yeah. out. I won't see it until I believe it, guy, all of that. You have shown respect for what All In brought, but it is what you teased a few minutes ago, all about what is next. Yeah. Adam, what can they do with this? What should they do with this? Besides just booking All In 2 next year at this time, how does the success of All In 1 lead to something that does change the game? It's a, it's a really good question because I do not believe – that All In has necessarily already changed the game for independent wrestling and professional wrestling as a whole. I think it changed the game for the Bullet Club and for the Elite. Um, it's very clear why people were there and, again, what show they watched to get them there. Now, yes, those people that some were ROH fans and New Japan fans and maybe some WWE fans that crossed over in the right time, but... That's why, that's why this happened, because of the show and because of those people. So for like the SCU guys, it was nice that Christopher Daniels was featured. The other guys were in a tag team match earlier in the show. But they're not benefiting from that show the way the Young Bucks are. And it's very there's – a, there's, a, there's a delineation. There's, there's a mark. There's a line in the sand between the Bullet Club and what they're able to do with their name and promotion and their value and the rest of independent wrestling. It's good that those other guys were on the show. But let's not act like this is benefiting them the same same way it is the guys that are leading this quote unquote revolution. But why and couldn't it? If it opened up a potential for multiple pay per views per year that they could be on, why it could. couldn't it? it? And but and it'll give them some paydays and it'll give them a little bit of additional exposure. But the drastic, the exponential difference that this can mean to Cody, Kenny, who wasn't really a producer here, but you know obviously he's with them, the Young Bucks, Marty, guys like that, Paige, and Joey Janela. And some, you know, MJF and some of those guys, it's just different. It's not equable. It's not uh, equitable. And I think that just needs to kind of be said in terms of what they can do. What I really think they should do, if everyone was really smart, is I think Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana yes. should call Cody and the Young Bucks and say, we would like you to be promoters and wrestlers for the NWA. Do not resign with Ring of Honor. But still be friendly with them, still work with them, just don't so, sign well, in independent. Apparently everyone's all good and friendly and everything's great. I think NWA right. can't pay them because apparently they don't really have a promotion. They just have titles right now. But 
if they're willing to do profit sharing and, and they're able to put on shows and leave their storylines through them, it'd be a different direction for NWA. But those are titles that exist. That's some cachet, right? Some gravitas. Oh, dude, and this, the, oh, you weave it in. That's what you do. The extended storyline of Cody as NWA champion becoming Dusty, which is lead star slash promoter, Correct. basically Booker. Uh, uh, I mean, imagine if they made the NWA the real competition that the we've always said if my revolution idea look the idea of the revolution is that there's a better product out there but from wwe and that it could get big enough to make wwe change and be better so we don't have moments like SummerSlam and me in a brooklyn bed on sunday night all right maybe Overreaction. maybe nwa is that home and it just makes a lot of sense and it could be right now it's a weird promotion it's it's a title it's not really a promotion i mean they do that cool series 10 pounds of gold maybe they are the the ones who handle the big events and being the elite is still the vehicle or maybe NWA gets a TV contract. But here's there's just two roads to go. And I'm going to pause this for one second. I'm going to give you my closing thing on that. I have two one answer questions for you before we close. Leader of the revolution right now. Is it Cody or Kenny or the Bucks? Is it, did Cody, with this event, become the leader of the revolution, the face, the heart and soul, the leader? Because we've been saying Kenny forever. Is it now Cody? It's in, the Bucks. In real life, you say it's the Bucks. Because they are the element that connects both sides. All right. Other one word question. As much as we love Jericho in the Penta costume. By the way, you see how I actually give the short answers when, when you ask for them? Go ahead. Love it. Sorry. Uh, we saw we, we love Jericho in the Penta costume and we pop big. But did he yeah. just Terry Balea that show? Come in, promote his own cruise, walk off, have a big moment, get on the plane, go directly to a Fozzie show. Did he just Terry Balea that crap? Yes, but it was entertaining. All right. Now, here's the close. And I, I'm going to close with my soliloquy here, okay? Because there's two roads to go coming out of here. Because when this show ended, Adam, I loved it. It was entertaining. I wasn't sure if they had changed the game. And the days that followed, I realized they really did. Because I started to say, man, that was so good. Where's the, where's the competition going to come from? Is it going to come in the form of a... How are they going to get to the point of being a Monday night show and compete with WWE? But I've got it all wrong in a lot of ways, Adam. They don't have to go that mold because if you go that mold and you join with NWA and you get a TV contract somewhere and you make a Monday night show and eventually you go head to head with Raw and you really try to compete with WWE, you're not only going to lose, but that would be following the model of old. That's how WWE made it. That's to the late 90s, 2001 model. They changed the game because of things like being the elite and all in and hot topic and all these things. So to keep changing, the, you can argue the game's already changed. You can argue while you and I keep debating if the revolution is real, we keep throwing it off to the point when they're actually a, co a competitor. They, the revolution may have already happened. This is the revolution. They already are a competitor if you really think about it. And I wrote a prepared statement. I know you hate when I script things. I know you Come hate. On, you don't, no, I, the reason I hate it is because you don't need it. Well, I just want to get. You as, a, you as a broadcaster, as someone who does this for a living, doesn't need to do this. Well, I, got I mean, go ahead and that I go ahead and read it, but you're so much better not reading. State, go, just go. This do is it. called Ode to All In. These are my thoughts. These is where oh my, my heart is. Wake me up when you're done. Okay. What these guys did on Saturday, Adam, was change the game because they gave the fans simply what they really wanted, or in some cases, didn't know what, yet what they needed, instead of giving them what they were willing to settle for. And Adam, that's the big difference. That's the big debate from Sunday in Brooklyn under the sheets of SummerSlam and WWE in general. I know, Adam, you and many of the listeners at the end of the day just feel good watching WWE. It's the old friend, the faithful wife. It's always been there for you. You feel like it always will be. But something Cody said in the ring, Adam, after all in rings true. Even WWE is not bigger than the art form itself. They aren't wrestling. 
Cody, who said he is, he's not wrestling either. The fans are wrestling. The way people feel when they watch it, that's what wrestling really is. That's pro wrestling, not sports entertainment. And if sports entertainment is all you've ever known and sought after, then modern-day WWE and by proxy, SummerSlam 2018, probably good enough for you to not complain. And that's why people turned heel on me, not me turning heel on them. But I didn't grow up in sports entertainment, Adam. I grew up in the 80s. I grew up on pro wrestling. I grew up on feeling that. Feel that. That was a botch. And on Saturday, I felt it again, Adam. And I want to feel it more. I want to feel it every week. But despite many of the excellently written follow-up think pieces, just like this one, by the way, that you've probably read the last few days, Cody and the Bucks and All In didn't save wrestling. They repaired it, though, by reminding us about what we loved in the first place, yet perfectly evolving the current product and the art form to where it's headed in 2018 and beyond. So did you feel that on Saturday night? Can you hear what happened The business shifted, Adam, just before our eyes. Because you and I on this show and all of our listeners, we entered Saturday wondering how far away is All In and the revolution from ever truly catching up with WWE. Can they be a real competitor? But instead, I left it wondering whether I could ever watch Raw and SmackDown again, just like Cody Masters said earlier, without wishing it looked and sounded exactly like what we watched on Saturday. As wrestling fans, we've been blinded about what competition and success truly means. That's great for the revolution, Adam Silverstein always says, but wake me when they provide a dent in WWE's financial cushion. Yet it took until Saturday to realize we had it wrong all along. It usually takes a man confronting his own death to realize how worthless money actually is once he realizes he can't take it with him. All this time, Adam, we judge success on finances, on TV deals, on pay-per-view sales, on merch. But money isn't the currency for success, Adam. It never has been, and truthfully, it never will be. It can be a byproduct of success, but it's never been the proper way to judge it. You know how you judge success? Happiness. It's the same ultimately in life as in pro wrestling. Selling out domes, signing billion-dollar TV deals with Fox, that's great for those it benefits. But let me remind you, we don't get a drop of that dollars as fans. In 2018, with access to all the wrestling at the touch of our fingertips like never before, it's no longer the wrestling promotion who makes the most money that's the richest. The money doesn't matter at all. Neither really does all-in Revolution, NJPW, or, or, or the stock prices of WWE. Wrestling's true currency is the way it makes you feel. The same reason we got hooked in the beginning. And as things stand right now, Cody, the Bucks, the Elite, those guys are the masters of the feels. They are the music makers. They are the dreamers of dreams. And they are the ones rolling in the only currency in life that truly measures success. Freedom, joy, and that guttural sound that comes from within when you're watching an art form like pro wrestling and it starts to feel like Shakespeare, like the great Nick Costos once said. Feel that, Adam? Feel that! Feel that, indeed. We saw... We smelt and we tasted the future on Saturday. Competition's never going to be financial. It's going to be the way you make it feel. I feel it. It's already happened. Quote the Campbell, nevermore. Did you do nice? <laughs> you need some water after that. Uh, did you used to do that on Cheap, cheap Heat? Yeah, I've, 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 I've entertained a few uh, spoken words before. You're way better off the cuff than, than doing that. Um, and that's not saying it wasn't good, but 
you just don't need it, man. You don't need the prepared statement. Uh, your point was well taken. Um, I, I have a, take a couple issues with obviously what you said in there. If we're doing that, um, you revolutions can't already me- happened, Adam. That's the point. It's we're not you, waiting for anything. You can't ask weekly television to be the same as an annual event. Number one, you can't. Like I said, you you want to draw comparisons. That's the basis of your of your issue of your argument. It's unnecessary because your the thesis of what you say always is correct, but the way you go about it, it, it takes it to a a position it doesn't need to be. Critically, that was fantastic. To compete with WWE for our eyeballs, it's doing that. Congratulations, right? They're doing a great job. But the wrong move for them or for anyone else is to try to go head-to-head with WWE, not because they're so monstrous and have so much money, but it's established. It's like trying to go head-to-head with ESPN when you're, a, you're starting a cable you know, TV network, a sports, sports TV network. ESPN exists. Be different. That, that's the key for the quote-unquote revolution. Be different. Be yourself. Attract fans the way you think that they want to be attracted. That's what these guys are doing. That's why being the elite works because it's different. There's cursing. There's continuity. It makes sense. That's why shows like this and events like this can work for them. But the question is, if they try to expand something's going to get lost because there's only so much time that three people have in a year, let alone a day, a week, or a month. What do they do from here? That's the question. And is what they do from here the right move? And I'm not talking about their careers and where they sign because I'm assuming they're not going to be going to WWE. I'm talking about do they just say, yeah, we're going to do all in two and it's going to be in Los Angeles and it's going to be a year from now. Or... Do they get it in their head? Hey, we want to do four events a year, and this is how we're going to plan it out. And if they do that, are the storylines just as good? Do just as many fans show up because it's not as special? Do they make the same amount of money? Do they price out the tickets where all of a sudden they've doubled the prices and now it's tough for people to get in? Those are questions that remain unanswered as we leave this all in situation. I, and the point what I was saying is don't don't try to chase WWE because you're already there. So I know they want to see. But they're see- not – again, they're not already there. They have a segment of wrestling fans who really enjoy their product. I guess there's no shame in that as wrestling fans. We, we sometimes go, well, we can't love it as much as we want to until it's number one or until it has a chance to be number one or a legit number two. And I'm just saying they've already proven from critical and feels that they're better than WWE right now, that they get it, that they understand different. Hold on though. Hold on. So I'm just saying as fans, why do we care? It's like, just because Justin Bieber moves millions of, of pop sales, doesn't mean that 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 I'm going to waste my time listening to it. I'm going to like my indie bands just like I'm going to like my indie wrestling, and it's fine. They've won. Adam, they won the revolution because I'm not going to see the money anyway if they do ever financially equal WWE. And you know what? The product's probably going to get ruined and diluted and bring in a lot of fans who are going to ruin the special feel. So it's already special right now. So let's just live in the revolution and realize that what happened Saturday, what's going on on Being the Elite, what's going on in NJPW, it is better than what we're getting with WWE because we're getting what we want. And WWE is seeing how much we're willing to settle for. That's, Again, that's the, it's better to you. It's better to 40-year-old Brian Campbell who's been watching wrestling for his entire life and who grew up with a different type of wrestling than what WWE provided in the 90s onward. It's better to you. You're a segment of the fandom. The people that were in All In, me, watching at home on TV, we're a segment of the fandom. We're not 
wrestling fans as a whole. And it doesn't have to appeal to wrestling fans as a whole. It just needs to be different and be really great for what it was. My argument is the last two months of being a professional wrestling fan, even with WWE not being at its peak in terms of continuity, storytelling, matches, etc., have been some of the best two months ever, probably, when you include the G1 and you and you include All In and you include at SummerSlam, which you've underrated but was still very good. So this is great. Where do we go from here? There's bound to be some drop-off in the coming months. Can they pick it back up from there? What happens next? That's my takeaway. This was a major, massive success. They deserve a full round of applause for it. What's next? What does it mean? All right, what's next for this show is part two of our main event, which is Monday (laughs) Night Raw and the prevailing storyline. And here's what's interesting. What really matters to me in the revolution is not about all in in, and those guys equaling WWE. It's about making WWE change. Because I know, you know, even the people on the show who hate the indies and hate me and hate this heel version of me, even though it's their hearts that are healed because they can't taste that steak and hear Jimmy, even they, Adam, I'm sure in their heart realize WWE with the talent and the talented people backstage could be and should be revolutionary in things we've never seen. The revolutionary in production, they're not revolutionary in giving us the goods on a consistent basis. I was most looking forward to Raw this week, Adam, to find out would they react to what happened at All In by being different, by being spectacular? Would they come back with another show like the last few weeks and basically be like, look, All In's not on our radar. We're not competing with it. We don't care. Ultimately, what happened in the end, Adam, was hugely disappointment. I'm not going to go down the negative road forever because I'm so high and positive, like Cody Masters said. I don't want to come back down from this cloud. But here's what's interesting, and this is the most heartbreaking. Rod and mailed in on Monday. Raw was insanely ambitious, Adam. They went after it with reveals, with intertwining storylines, with keeping the show moving quick. And they failed spectacularly. And you got I'm going to ask you right now, is that worse than not trying at all? Coming out of All In? I mean, again, it's just a segment of, of the fandom, but... I mean, it was, it was like a Hindenburg. I mean, they, they, it was horrible. It really was. They And it wasn't bad all show. My contention is it was really bad at the start and really bad at the finish. But it was a disaster. And I don't know who's booking this shit. That's really the only <laughs> – like, again, what's now what's amazing, obviously, is about this show. We've already talked about All In. We're about to talk about Raw. Brian basically doesn't even have SmackDown on the show today. Meanwhile, SmackDown was really damn good on Tuesday. So I'm getting that in right now because we're not really going to talk about it again. SmackDown was very good. So really our issues are with Raw. And truthfully, BC, our issues have been with Raw for about two months now, really. Maybe even a little bit longer. The whole damn year. The whole damn year. Yeah, the whole year. And and what I want to do is I kind of want to take us through the main storyline on Raw. We don't normally do this on ITC. Normally we just hit the hot topics. We go into Hero Zero. But I want to take us through the main storyline on Raw and pause after each thing that happened and discuss it briefly. We should be brief because the show is obviously a long one. So obviously the show was built around Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns and to a larger extent, Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre against the Shield. And why is that happening, right? Well, the first part is because it's happening at Hell in a Cell. And the second part, the three on three, that's happening at Super Showdown in Australia. So that's the major storyline that WWE has encompassing this episode. The show began basically with a break apart melee 
with the entire roster ending up helping in three different waves. From there, the Shield got arrested, jailed, and released all somehow within three hours on Labor Day. So let's pause there, BC, and talk to me about the start of the show, the opening segment, and what you thought about the arrest and WWE utilizing something that they have tried on so many different occasions. You got to stop. You you got to stop. I didn't want to go down the, this road, but, you know, seeing Strowman come out with the, the other heels, Drew and Dolph, it was fine. I, I hated how last week ended, but that's fine. But to go right back into giant pull apart, which is so overused and really should only be saved for something like a Tager Lesnar build to a pay-per-view match. Or even when they did it with Becky Lynch and Charlotte just like three weeks ago, and they did it pretty damn good. But they still went back to the well too many times, and they did it again here. And the shield's coming through the crowd. And we always hate when they send out wrestlers we like in the jobber role to break up brawls. Adam, what else are we going to say about Finn Balor? Seriously, what else? I I tweeted right away, RIP to Finn's booking. It's not just that he came out as a jobber. It's that he came out and fellow babyface Dean Ambrose turned, knocked him out against the ring apron, and Finn was like... Why would that make any sense? Why? Because I saw you, I, I have to cut you off. I saw you tweet that and you were right because he was front and center and the first one and it didn't make any sense. But let's not act like literally the entire Lashley was out there. Elias, okay, everyone but, that was not those psychology. Why ended does, up out there? Why does psychology and connecting the dots not matter to raw? Finn Balor's in a feud with Baron Corbin. So he's just going to mindlessly listen to him and come out and stop. The, like, it's, it's just crap. But even if you're going to suspend disbelief there, why the heck did the Shield get arrested? But nobody else did. We see these riots every other week on Raw. People don't get arrested. I know people love that Vince McMahon arrest shirt. I see it a lot at WrestleMania weekend. I think it's the lamest shirt ever. I think his arrest that night was the lamest ever. What, he pushed a cop? I get why Steve Austin used to get arrested at the peak of the Attitude Era, and he'd work his way out. The Shield are not Steve Austin. I'm sorry. It made no sense why they got arrested. To see them drive back in the police van, which was so wait, wait, damn wait. predictable. We're skipping, ahead. We're skipping ahead. All right, so at ahead. this point, after the first segment, Adam, I was like, are you kidding me? I had hope that the Shield could lead to a big reveal at the end. I was hoping it wasn't predictable. But the arrest was like, unless it's Baron Corbin like who called it in, and is going to continue a feud with them. What the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Now, had they paid it off with him on the phone with Steph, hey, I got the cops to take him away. Don't worry. The show's under control. If he just did that, it even ties in. I'm not going to you know, get to it yet, but it even ties in the end of the show. It would have. If he had said, yes, this was me as GM, as a heel GM, having these guys arrested. I am the, I am the catalyst for this happening. Instead, there was really no explanation given to what they did wrong, why they were arrested. You have Rome doing these updates the entire time. Well, no, if you get arrested at nine o'clock on a Monday night on a holiday, (laughs) you're in jail until Tuesday. That's how it works. And I've never been to jail, knock on wood. Hopefully you hear that, okay? But I know how that works. Everyone in the world knows how that works. So even if we're going to suspend that, the arrest didn't make sense. Having, needing, needing, that many people to pull apart six men when literally the next night on SmackDown, you have two people, two referees holding back AJ Styles yeah. from Samoa Joe. But it's just like there's somebody who's so literally bad. in creative going, 
oh, we'll just do the pull apart thing again. Yeah, and we'll do the arrest thing again. And then it's like, right. it's just copy and paste BS. We, we got it. Let's move on because the, the, I hate done, it. They've hate done it. the pull apart thing. They did it twice this week, which is incredible. And they've done it since, Wrestle, since the build to WrestleMania because I think they did it with Roman and Brock, I think, one time. They've done it at least five times. That's unacceptable. It needs to be special. Tyson and Austin. It needs to be things like that where it, it raises the rent, not, oh, they're doing it again, especially to the open of a show. Okay, moving on as I promised. Next up, we have Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. And you said very Hall and Nash-esque, and I completely agree. Forcing their way into a tag team title match by first approaching Baron Corbin, then taking out the Revival, getting in, and winning the tag team titles off the B team. This BC, I'm going to take a step back and say I loved it. I don't love, and we'll get to this in a bit, that all of the titles are wrapped up in six guys, and they're all in the same feud together. But what I do love is they came up with a way for Dolph not to be the next Intercontinental Challenger, even though he mentioned it, and not immediately get back into that rematch, explain a reason away from that, Put the take the titles off the B team, put them on a team that actually deserves them, needs them, and can utilize them to get over, get the titles over, and rebuild the division as well. I loved every part of this. What about you? Yeah, this was great. The fir- I thought the first hour of Raw was just a, a major disappointment. We're going to get to the end, but the middle, the middle, there were some big moments. There were some fast-moving moments that had me going, you know what? They get it, what happened at All In. We're going to have some kind of great finish. This was great. This was NWO. This was Attitude Era. This Them manipulating their way to the belts, destroying the B-team, right, rightfully ending that sort of, you know, baby-faced storytelling of this underdog team going over the top. I want the belts on these guys. You want factions to matter. Belts, belts, belts matter when they're on. They make a faction. They're making the Undisputed Era right now. They made the Four Horsemen because these guys are such high-level dirtbag heels that they can own and manipulate. And I actually like that they're completely manipulating Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman getting in his face is showing you that, I mean, heels have weaknesses. That's why they're heels. Baron Corbin can outwit Kurt Angle, apparently, using Stephanie McMahon. But even he has his limits when these guys are in his face. And Dolph Ziggler in that coming up to him and saying, this is our show now, that felt like a change that something good was coming. I totally agree. And it, it goes to even what I was saying earlier. Had they used Baron Corbin in that opening segment to explain why they were arrested, the entire show would have made more sense. Not total sense, but more sense. Okay. So we move on, and we didn't know at the time that this was going to be part of this storyline, but we have Bobby Lashley, my man, Bobby Lashley, my man, Bobby Lashley, uh, somehow doing yoga and meditation with Jinder Mahal in the middle of the ring in a segment that I understand why it happened, obviously, now that we saw the payoff, but that made zero sense at the time, my man, uh, and included Bobby Lashley saying, my man, 17 times over the course of a backstage segment and an in-ring segment. Now, this wasn't as bad as Bobby Lashley's sister's BC, but it was pretty awful in my opinion. And then how does it end with Kevin Owens one week after quitting in regular wrestling gear attacking Bobby Lashley? Talk to me. There's so much. I mean, what did Vince just watch a Denzel Washington movie for the first time? I mean, people did that at Matt. I mean, because I got a great catchphrase for you this week, but you're gonna have to say it 57 times. The fact that they cashed in Kevin Owens' return when we had more faith in them, we thought KO and Sami Zayn would come back as masked wrestlers and a tag team somehow to fight their way back in. 
There was a lot. I, mean, I never thought that. But. There was a lot you could have done with Kevin Owens, and they panic a week later, and his reward for executing this storyline is a mid-card feud with Bobby Lashley. Are you freaking kidding me? I like. I have to believe that KO gets that booking, Adam, and he looks at it, and he's just like, what the hell's going on here? Like, how could you? Like, you're better than this. Like, we should all be better than this. Like, what is happening here? Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? It actually is from DJ at DJ Stutta underscore, which is an underscore, really. Poor decision with the KO booking. Why have him quit just for him to return to come back and attack Lashley? Why? They could have really kept it going, but have him be gone a week. What sense does that make? I'm joining you, BC, with the revolution. KO is one of my favorites, but the booking was pointless and a waste of time. Hashtag make WWE great again. Adam, there's no defense for this KO thing. The only thing to debate is whether KO watched all in and wished he was there with his initial indie brethren. Well, I'm sure he watched it and I, I'm sure he loved it. Uh, let's stop with all the make blank great again. We're better than this. We don't. There's other ways to, to say it. Hey, tell okay? DJ Stud of that, all right? I, I am telling him that. I'm telling everyone that. It, let's kind of get away from that. Um, it, it was awful. You know, the Dolph Ziggler, you know, dropping the, the U.S. title back when he was on SmackDown and then appearing as the 30th entrant in the Royal Rumble, which apparently is a quote unquote plans change situation where Vince had something for him and decided not to do that because they were playing into the contract storyline. Instead, he comes back and is a surprise at the Royal Rumble. Kind of unforgivable, but not the end of the world. It's Dolph Ziggler. And it was still a surprise at number 30. It was fine. This is disgusting because Imagine if you had like Mark Henry do the salmon jacket moment and then the next week job out to someone. That's basically what this was because the salmon jacket moment was so much even better than what Kevin Owens did. My point is they took something that was, oh, wow, they're doing something here. I'm really interested to see how this plays out. And they have KO attack Bobby Lashley in a comedy angle with Jinder Mahal. It just it just it it, it was really poor. It It was really bad. Makes no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Oh my God! Hey, to, clo- okay. to close on, you said we're better than. If you lose, I get to shave your head. I want to shout out one of our listeners, Lavi Margolin, who had sent me a copy of a book he wrote: "Trump Mania, Vince McMahon, WWE, and the Making of America's 45th President." I finally got a chance to dig through it. Very, very interesting book. A good read there from Lavi Margolin. On the making. Oh, that's nice. Our listeners sending you things and not me. Well, you know, typical, I, I typical. connect with the listeners. I, I you know, I, I'll give that book a full review when I finish it, but I'm right in the middle of it. If you lose, I get to shave your head. Let's roll on. All right. Uh, so the next part here, and I'm going to split this into two because we have to address it separately. We get the main event of Raw and we get Finn Balor in the main event of Raw against Braun Strowman. You didn't have to watch a second of this match to know how it would finish. And yet, it finished exactly as we expected. Finn Balor didn't lose to Braun Strowman. Finn Balor got squashed by Braun Strowman. Finn Balor got squashed by everybody who came in contact with him on the show. And when I tweeted RIP to Finn's booking, I actually had people that came back and said, shows you know what you're talking about, Campbell. He's in the main event tonight. He was in the main event tonight against Baron Corbin that they actually advertised for like the 57th time. And I know he got switched into a Braun match. But I mean, where do you go from here, Adam? Why are you putting him over so strong at SummerSlam to have him come back and lose to Corbin again? Yes, we know 
Corbin cheated and it was the DQ. But to have him 50-50 book, lose to him last week, and then get murdered by Braun Strowman this week. There's no one else back there that Braun Strowman could have murdered. Bobby Roode, I understand. We'll get to that. He did, they did something else with him. There's no one else on that roster that could have been fed to Braun Strowman besides Finn effing Balor. Really? Come on. Okay. Let's get last to the part. finish. I got to get out of Raw. This is giving me the hivvies. The we last do. part. The last part here. So <laughs> the shield appears after this match, and they're coming down to the ring. Uh, and and they sorry they're coming down to the ring. They pull a police vehicle into the arena. I'm gonna start right here. So not only did they get arrested, jailed, and released on Labor Day, they stole a police vehicle and were able to bring that into the ring, into the arena. Okay, let's put that aside. Let's because that's happened before. They come in and they're ready to attack this new trio. That's not a faction; it's a group. Uh, and the entire heel roster. From Raw, with for some reason Drew Gulak. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm, I'm literally shrugging here. I don't know why he was there or why well, it was they, necessary. They, had, they needed a PowerPoint to, to plan their attack here, obviously. For him to be there, I guess maybe they needed the color of his tights because everyone else was wearing black. They all attack the Shield in a not just a you know coordinated effort, but a sloppy segment. And they drag them all to the foot of the ring and lay their bodies there. The only thing good about this was the violent intensity of the beatdown. I always love those moments. I like when Rollins, like, did he break his arm? He got thrown into that van and his arm was bleeding. I mean, Dean Ambrose in front of his wife getting beat down. Look, I enjoyed all of that. But the psychology is a freaking mess in this case, Adam. Why, first of all, why would all these guys do this? If you're just going to tell me, hey, Campbell, they're heels, which people tried. Do you know how many people defended this on Twitter saying, look, they're heels. Heels help each other out. They all, of course, they hate the shield. Okay. If you Not 20 that, heels. That's 20 fine. heels don't help each other. How about the initial psychology of Braun Strowman, a guy who built his name off of not needing anyone else? He left the Wyatt family. He could win the tag titles on his own with a child. Like, he can do anything he wants. If you, I, I almost could understand his heel turn. Because the shield stopped him from doing what he wanted, so he enlisted other people to equal the numbers. That doesn't make sense to me because Braun Strowman's a giant. He shouldn't need help. But okay, now he needs the help of the entire locker room to fight off the shield. This just shows that the only thing that matters is getting Roman Reigns cheered. Roman Reigns is not Steve Austin. So stop with him stealing the police van and coming into a hero's welcome. And I'm sorry, Adam, if I if we lose half our viewership listenership right now that's fine with me if you watched that monday night and you were fine with that and you cheered with that and you said hey yeah who cares about the details that was fun though then don't don't listen to the show anymore you probably won't anyway stop that that's silly i mean how could you defend this this is ridiculous there's no no defending it whatsoever but that that comment from you is ridiculous uh don't don't listen to the show if you liked it you like what you like okay except for the hashtag make blank great again stuff outside of that Anything else, you like what you like. Um, it was so bad. Like, again, I'm going to bring it up a third time. Had they explained the Baron Corbin thing earlier that Corbin got them arrested, you could then say that Corbin, or just showed Corbin at the top of the stage, Corbin sent them out, maybe, all the heels, because he wants the shield eradicated from his show. At least that makes sense. That's like Vince trying to get rid of DX, right? There's something there. It's not as bad. But there was none of that. This looked like Braun Strowman being in charge of 20 heels on the roster. And it wasn't even like four. 
Like if it had been just Owens and Elias, maybe, and now you have Owens, Elias, and those three, and you have some type of faction, even if it's temporary, okay, I'm with you. It's so stupid. There, there, there is no scenario in which you should need 20 people to subdue three. I don't care if it's Austin, The Rock, and The Undertaker. It wouldn't have made sense for that many people to attack them, to subdue them. That was some of the crappiest, no, some of the shittiest booking I have ever seen from WWE. I'm not going to read the whole DM, but final DM side bonus from Martin McDonald at Martin Mac one He was with you. He says, this bullshit, when loads of superstars run into the ring to break people up, it reeks of a completely lack of interest and ideas from the writers. It reeks of unforgivable laziness. He went on to basically hammer home the same points we already did. But unforgivable laziness is the best way to describe it, Adam, when they already set the table for something cool to happen. The middle part of Raw was was really good. It was quick moving. A lot of stuff went on. Yeah, I didn't like KO coming back. But really, to see Kevin Owens as the first heel that runs out to beat up the Shield to help Braun Strowman, who he just had a feud against, like, that's it. I'm not talking about this anymore. Last part of the main event. It happened on Raw. We got to be brief on it but it was the best part of Raw by far. Shawn Michaels summoned The Undertaker. It took John Cena six weeks to get The Undertaker back at Mania. Shawn Michaels just comes out and mentions his name, and he's there. But these trading (laughs) of promos was awesome. And here's how I'll uh, tell you and admit it was awesome, Adam. You know I'm going to be the biggest critic of seeing a 53-year-old Undertaker come out here was that. I entered the idea of Undertaker and Triple H in Australia as another money in the sand boondoggle. I don't care about it. Triple H's promo. You did not move me two weeks ago. This got me back in. I don't know if it's going to lead to Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Maybe a trilogy match at WrestleMania 35, but it gives you those feels. But even more immediate, I want Michaels as part of this match in Australia because they played on topics that are real that we care about. That Michaels lost to Taker in the rematch and was forced to retire. And he respected the stipulation. He cares about continuity that much. Loved it. So I have a couple points here. First, give me the siren. Just, it's just, it's feels. I felt the siren at all in. Okay. But I felt the siren in this segment. If we were doing feel spot, I could let this be my feel spot for the month of September. It was perfect. Sean's promo was perfect. The Undertaker, when he started talking, I was really concerned we'd get an ultimate thrill ride promo. <laughs> but we, this showdown, Triple H will be your last showdown. Um, I was really concerned. We didn't get that. It was dynamite from both of them. Um, I'm with you in that I would really love, love a Shawn Michaels Undertaker match at WrestleMania 35. I have a feeling we're going Taker Cena, right? I would love it. I hope on this at the same amount that I would love it. I hope it doesn't happen because I love that Sean hasn't come back and wrestled and that he respects the stipulation Fair. and he's like the only one who's ever done it. I love it. Getting him in once again as a guest referee, special guest referee in this match in Australia, it adds gravitas to the match and it makes it a legitimate main event match for the show, not just a special attraction match for the show. It makes you it feel really like, changes the game. It makes you feel like it's not going to be Rusev and Taker. Or even Correct. Cena and Taker, which I didn't love at Mania. I or get Cena, why people Or fuck. Cena and Triple H at Money in the Sand. Damn right. All right, we have to move on. One the... more thing. Wait, before we move on. Yeah, what do you got? Can you, can you, can you agree with me on this? HBK is kind of washed. No, no. I, I won't say that. He's ripped right now. I like, I like no, no, HBK. No, no, he looks great. He looks great. 
but delivering the promo. I was fine with it. I know he he, he sold the network. I'm talking, I'm talking like a boxer. He's kind of washed. Yeah. Let's be honest. A little I, bit. I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna let it happen. I'm not gonna let it happen. I, I'm not gonna lose my smile on that. I'm okay. Right. I'm okay. With I love. I love HBK. What I love even more, you know it. My favorite segment on the show, BC. Hero or zero. It's been a long time since we had this segment, since we played yeah. that song. It's got to be lightning round edition. We're already it does. three hours in. Let's do it. This time, I will actually agree with you on that. All right, BC. We'll start off with Becky Lynch and Charlotte trading insults on SmackDown during a video debate held via satellite. Did it further repair any issues that you still had lingering issues with the Becky Lynch heel turn? Even though I'd been pro-Becky Lynch heel turn and very optimistic, major hero that I think it, it, it you know, you can follow up and tell me if you agree but I feel like what they focused on here was they gave Becky really good material. They allowed her to play into some really cool, under relatable notions of a friendship where she said, look, I've, I was the one picking up your, your feels all the time. You're, you know, building up your, you know, putting down your insecurities, helping you through, helping you to basically become the queen. I was the bridesmaid behind you. And now I'm coming out. Loved it. Major hero. I felt like you understood Becky's situation a lot more, and it didn't feel like a carbon copy. We don't know what to do with her, so let's turn her heel. So the content of the promo Tuesday night after SummerSlam was a massive zero. Everything else about this, I'm talking about the promo where she literally tries to be a heel by crapping on the fans. Everything else about this, the SummerSlam attack, what happened last week, and this massive hero. Why is it a hero, BC? It makes sense. That's all we ask. Tell us a story, allow it to make sense, and pay it off. Hero. Wow, it's that easy, huh? Adam, hero or zero? Number two, we saw three new teams slash groups pulled together on WWE TV this week. We got Chad Gable and Bobby Roode, Asuka getting Naomi's back, and Drake Maverick appearing in fatigues based or, or, or tactical vests as the new manager of AOP Authors of Pain. Hero or zero on whether we'll digest these three new teams and care about them. So we have to go individually here. Okay. And I, I like that we threw them all in one little quick segment here. Chad Gable and Bobby Roode is a hero for a couple of reasons. One, oh. Chad Gable being in a tag team is great. I liked his antics on the show. It made sense that Bobby was kind of like standoffish at the beginning, and then he saw they won, so he kind of started buying into it. The gimmick combination doesn't make sense, but it would be very cool to have the glorious Bobby Roode as a face and the cheesiness of that, Gable buying into that, them doing it together, and then Bobby Roode eventually noticing that his spotlight is getting taken by Chad Gable, turning heel on him and becoming a heel mid-carder on Raw. I see it. That's the not premonition is there. Yeah, it's not a bad hero, hero for that. Regarding Asuka Naomi... I wish I could be in the middle here because who really cares? My guess is they're making them a tag team, going to put this tag team title tournament together for the women ahead of maybe Evolution. So I'll say Hero because it gets Asuka back on TV. She looked good. She had her hair dyed in neon-ish colors to kind of match Naomi. I thought that was cool. I'll give it a Hero, but it's not a real Hero. It's just, it's fine. I don't care. It's a throwaway. Drake Maverick with AOP. <laughs> it's a zero. If you're going to have them, if, if they're going to have a manager... Why isn't it Paul Ellering? Why isn't it someone else who makes sense? He looked like a child 
It felt like a Next rib, to them. too, didn't it? You, it's like, you looked like a child dressed up for Halloween. It felt like a rib, and it was basically like, so you're going to be the babyface, you know, 205 chairman guy, commissioner, but you're going to be this heel manager? No sense whatsoever. He should never wear the tactical stuff ever again. The only I'll disagree with is the Chad and Bobby. I want more Chad Gable in my life, and he was great in that match. But I'm just so done with Bobby Roode that that was filled with so many cheesy smiles of acting that I was just like, get it off my screen. Seeing Chad do the arm thing, the glory, like, get, I'm done. I'm so done with Bobby Roode because they've ruined him. I'm so done with him. I actually want Bobby Roode off of my television screen forever for the rest of my life. Thank you. I'm willing to see how they go with it. I think it's going to be, I think it was better than you say it is. I think it can be better than you think it can be. But Drake Maverick, here's the weird thing about that really quick and then we'll move on managers, like let's say Jim Cornette as an example, they don't change based on the teams they manage, right? Or the, the tag teams. So shouldn't he just have looked like his flamboyant, dressed up 205 Live GM himself and have that be a contrast to the badass AOP? Wouldn't that just have worked a million times better if you're going to go that route than what you saw? They don't think things out. It's but am I right? Yeah. Am I right about yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As an old school guy, but I, I think Jim Cornette, like he could work in that way. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, BC Hero Zero uh, here, Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. They traded video packages, teasing Hell in a Cell match at the PP at the PPV at the PPV next week. Hero Zero to whether this match might actually bring the death of Jeff Hardy. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. <laughs> uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Wow, I enjoyed this piece of me, Adam. Um, that's my that's my like one and only flub that I had on the show. Right, yeah, go one, ahead. one and only. Uh, many predictions flubbed as well. Um, false. Yeah, very false. I'm in on this, and I am a little nervous for Jeff Hardy. So anyone that didn't listen to or was present at the Cheap Heat live show over SummerSlam weekend in New York, Jeff Hardy was a guest, and he said, "My dream, the only thing I want to do left in my career, is essentially a swanton off of the damn HIAC." Adam, holy crap! They showed you that's where they're going with this. I want to see this match. These guys together have been doing some cool, fun stuff, some violent stuff. I'm nervous that this could be the last bump he ever does. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to execute it. Do you just have him go through a table on Orton off the top in like a full swanton? I don't know, but they're going to come up with something wacky, and this is the guy that's willing to do it, and that the fact that he wants to that badly. I mean... I didn't think I ever wanted to see anything bigger than what Shane did and KO and like, you know, they're taking what Foley did and they're just raising it up 10, 15 feet. I don't know if I want to see anything more than that, but it's going to get like New Jack level where people start falling on their head in ECW. Like, I don't, yeah. yeah. The truth is anything other than a swanton off the top of the cell onto a table is, is, is not going to be enough. Yeah. You're and, right. and, and I don't say that to like put him in a dangerous position. It's just, the elbow drops have happened. The throw off the cage or off the cells has happened. It's really the only thing that you can do because it's a closed environment internally. So you have to do something off the top. And I, unless it's through something through the cage into the, onto the mat, like a swanton through a hole in the, in the, in the cell, I don't know what else there's going to be. Um, so I'll give it a hero. Cause the promos were very good. Did you get, I assume you gave it a hero. Yes. Uh, I'll give it a hero. The promos were very good. It built the matchup really nicely. They're playing into what Jeff Hardy said in an interview, kind of when he rejoined WWE, that he had never, the one match he's always wanted to be in that he never has been in is a Hell in a Cell match, and he wanted to be in one before he retires. It makes me wonder, not if he's going to retire. I don't think he's ready to retire. He's still very capable. But 
whether he's going to be taking a break after this. We have Matt recovering from his hip spinal situation. Uh, he's basically working as a producer right now on Raw. They've written him off TV. I, I assume he's going to figure out his medical options and then determine what to do with the rest of his career. I'm kind of curious if Jeff's in that similar scenario. So there may be an ending to something here. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, and the only other issue I have, and you can maybe address it really quick before we move on, it's very strange that SmackDown is being written expertly well, and they have three feuds that could legitimately utilize the cell. And this is the one they chose. You have AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Becky Lynn Charlotte that both could also be cell matches. It seems strange that they cho- chose this one. Yeah, unless they're building around the one spot they have in mind, which is probably true. You're going to need the cage to really make that moonsault matter or, or whatever it's called. Uh, you know, uh, hardy, hardy salt, hardy ton matter. Uh, lightning round edition means I have to move on, Adam. So Hero Zero number four from last week's NXT, which for the record, I did not end up watching in with, wow. all, the, with all everything going on. But Johnny Gargano moves away from the epic Tommaso Ciampa title feud and begins what appears to be a program with Velveteen Dream. You're going to have to tell me, was this a hero on where we're going here? Because this is very interesting. I got to catch up. Yeah, it's a, it's a big hero for me. Um, it puts Dream in a scenario where he is feuding, obviously, with a veteran, accomplished wrestler in Gargano. Uh, it allows Gargano to separate himself from Ciampa and give that storyline time to breathe, where hopefully Ciampa gets a couple more competitors and then they bring us back to this WrestleMania weekend, Royal Rumble weekend, something like that. And we get our huge payoff where Johnny finally wins the NXT title, right? So in order to do that, because they had to rush the singles match at the last takeover with Black getting hurt, uh, basically like tearing his scrotum, I think, or something like that. Um, So because they had to rush that, that's the position that we're in. I was very happy with it. I thought Dream did a great job on the mic, um, really getting the idea that they're feuding over. I think they have a taped match airing this week if I, tonight if i remember correctly it's wednesday um but regardless i hope that this does drag on for a little bit and we do see this as a feud and a match at a takeover it's something dream can lose you know i hate when he loses but this one would make sense progress johnny dream could rebound just fine from it one other thing i'll say about velveteen dream since i don't think he'll have much of a take here since he didn't really see this um he just cut a promo that they posted on social media he's doing two evolve shows and he's fighting austin theory and he cut a promo for it it's incredible this guy is going to be a legitimate main eventer in WWE. Hero. Yes. Take so, oh, you don't, Liz, you don't have a response. I don't know. I didn't see it yet. Okay. I'm excited. Do you like the idea? Hero love, Zero on Love the, the idea. I like that you have to space this out. You can't just give yes. us Ciampa Gargano every time. You got to get us to a big one. Okay. Uh, the Bella Twins returned on Raw for their first tag team match in three years. And it seemed like in a backstage segment afterward, they were trying to give Ronda Rousey some advice. She wasn't really accepting it or wanting it. Seemed like they were sowing the seeds for a potential heel turn there. Hero or zero to the return of the Bella Twins. Not Brie. This is separate. The Bella Twins on Raw. The idea of the Bella Twins coming back because they publicized it for a week felt like it was going to be a hero. Sad to say this was an absolute zero. And I I had some tweets out there. I even deleted one because people were getting so angry at it. And I was just like, all right, enough of the nonsense. People want to protect Brie. And I get it, right? She's coming off the pregnancy. Although we did see her back at the inaugural Women's Royal Rumble. She looked just not ready for prime time. She's looked great on SmackDown opposite Brian in these little moments. But in a full match, why is somebody in this spot who's probably not in the ring shape they need to be doing not one suicide dive, but two in... Well, technically, she, technically, she did zero, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and comically bad 
the first one comically bad, blowing it and falling out of the ring. The second one falling on her face to where there, it was no longer a joke. It was, is she going to be able to continue? Is she going to walk again? Luckily, I thought Nikki did look good, and she held that match together. But where this is going, I am all in. This is a hero. When the idea of Rousey and Nikki first leaked on the uh, on the old dirt sheets for Evolution, a lot of people gr- cringed and groaned. I love it. And I love that she's doing the Karate Kid 3 Terry Silver heel idea here of, I'll train you. You don't want to train with Natty. You want to train with me. And they're putting Natty over as a loser right now enough that this is there's something here. And this is going to be fun. Nikki versus Ronda has star power. I want to see it. They're properly building it. So the first thing I'll say is Nikki always looks good. Um, and I say that, what was that? Oh, okay. I, I didn't come through my headphones. Um, I was actually talking about in the ring, but we'll keep that as well. Um, she always looks good in the ring. She's by far the better of the two. Uh, every time she's come back, even when she did like those couple spots coming out of the neck surgery where she shouldn't have really been wrestling, but she was, she still looked good. And, you know, it's, she's never really been the problem. Brie is not a good wrestler. She's she's just not. When she's doing the yes lock um, with, with her husband or when she's in matches with him, it feels different. It feels more prepared, more natural. Um, but when she's in the tag team Bella matches, I've just never found her to be that d- even a real decent wrestler. She's and, not a and believable wrestler. She doesn't have the, the muscle she's tone. She's not believable. For, and she, she wrestles in a strong style, and she doesn't have a muscle tone. Like, she's okay on drop kicks, but... This right. has been, you know, she, she's not it's like this when generation. Ale- it's, like, it's like when Alexa Bliss throws the punch. It's like, yes. what's that? Like, so, so, yeah, you're right. It's not believable. I like her doing submission moves and stuff, with again, with Brian. But, like, with her and Maurice coming up in this match, Maurice isn't a good, really good wrestler either. So I don't know what that's going to be. Um, but so regarding this, uh, I'll give it a zero just because we're talking about Monday night. And I did like the backstage segment. They're good talkers. But in the ring, it was so sloppy that – you just can't give it a hero. Uh, really quick follow-up, very quick. Evolution, the way it's being built, this card, it's a lot of veterans that they've announced already, and granted, that's because they haven't gotten through the storylines, but they announced Lita-Mickey James match for this show, and they already have Trish against Bliss. Is that okay with you? Should should Lita and Mickey have wrestled other women? Should Trish have been in a triple threat with them? Should it have been Trish and Mickey rekindling that rivalry. What do you think of those two matches? I'm all right with it. I, I don't have a particular dog in this fight. I mean, you could use Lita's star power, but maybe she just wants to be in there with somebody she trusts more. I don't know. She didn't look physically like she was closer to her return at the Women's Rumble that like Trish Stratus did. She looked ready for primetime right away. Although Lita played the hit, so to speak. She looked right. like it was going to be more of an adjustment for her physically. Maybe Mickey's the perfect... Uh, you know, uh, tag Maybe. team partner in that way to put off to pull off an acceptable and healthy, safe match. So I'm down with it. Look, there's a lot of combinations they can make. I love the mix of old and new. I'm actually pretty fired up for Evolution. I'll give them credit right. for how they're doing it. One more thing involving the women. WWE announced season two of the Mixed Match Challenge. It's going to debut September 18th with a round robin tournament. WWE's G1. Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, the final match will be held on <laughs> December 16th at the TLC pay-per-view. There's going to be 14 episodes, each of them 30 minutes in length with two matches on each episode. I know you weren't a huge fan of the first Mixed Match Challenge. I found it enjoyable. Not critically great, but enjoyable. Does this do anything for you in terms of the change in format, the change in teams, anything like that? Uh, They improved it by making the championship match matter to the point that it's going to be on a pay-per-view. That's solid. 
I'm not going to say that I'm going to watch it. It's not really my thing, but I think there is, they've proven that there is a market for mixed tag team matches that are more fun than they are important or necessary or even realistic. So if they stay with the fun and put the championship as fun and maybe bring in, if they're going to do the charity elements, bring in some of that, that's fine. Put themselves over, keep it in the same tone that it is on the show. I'm okay with it, but honestly, it's not for me. I'm not going to watch it. That's fine. I, I th- I'm happy they kept certain teams together, Braun Strowman, Alexa Bliss. I put that over to you, how much fun that was. And storyline-wise, it was so good. I wish they brought it over to the main roster. So they kept some teams like that. They have some new teams. They have Styles and Flair, which is very cool. Um, so I'm interested in – I will watch it again. I'll give it a shot. Um, I'll tell you this. The format is a million times better than the last one. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Hey, let's get out of here with a little bit of a DM slide. But it's not a regular DM slide. This is a lightning round edition. But it's sliding in your DMs Silver King edition because people came for you this week. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that? An email? It is John so Cena. I'm not allowed, so I'm not allowed to compile tweets that crapped all over you for your awful SummerSlam take. But I can get blindsided by DMs. On the show. I understand. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we we always remember what the show is actually called, right? I mean, come on. In this Campbell podcast. Oh, there's plenty of reminders of that. Don't from you worry. a Mount Rushmore man himself, the great Omar Al-Rashid, Omar underscore Al-Rashid. He's a thunder from down under. This guy's fired up for Melbourne, the super showdown. DM slide from your boy, Silver King. What is your opinion on the ceiling for Andrade Cien Almas? I think he could become a star on the level of a Jericho or Orton where it's a main event legendary B-side. Adam, we saw Elmas in a rematch with Daniel Bryan in a storyline that took up the whole show. What do you think about what Omar's saying? What is CN's ceiling here? Before we get to that, do you think Jericho's a B-side? Yeah, historically he is. Even though he's doing a lot to add really nice cherries on top of his Sunday, he's a B-side historically. I think it's fair to say that, but the first undisputed champion someone who carried Kevin Owens during his universal title run. He's great, dude. He's great, but he's not he's a leading a, man. He's AB. He's I'd one of the best a- non-leading men in WWE, in wrestling if, history. If, if he was a blood type, he'd be AB, because I think he can skirt that line and be, be either side. So I don't put him on a B side like Orton. Orton's a B side, in my opinion. Uh, I agree, though, yes. And this wasn't really attacking, so it's a good question. Um, I agree. I think Almas can be a legitimate B side main eventer. Uh, if you watch Tuesday Night SmackDown, which, again, we're not really talking about Really good episode of TV, again from SmackDown. But if you watch that, um, Almas should never speak again. So as long as Zelina Vega is his manager and handles all of the mic work and he gets to put on incredible matches and be charismatic like he can be when the microphone is not in front of him, I completely agree. All right. All right. Take that, Omar Al Rashid. Number two from JB at Brax. 1122. This guy came at me on Twitter. <laughs> this wasn't even a DM slide. This was a Twitter attack. BC, please be all out and do a separate pod for all non-WWE stuff so I can skip it. Let Silver King do the WWE stuff. Is this the debut of the In This Silver King podcast? The In This Silverstein? This guy's got an idea that Silver King takes the WWE stuff home on another show and this show only handles the kind of wrestling that makes people get fired up. Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. Hey, maybe JB can be your co-host here. I'll bring in Thanos Backlund for the uh, for the In This Campbell future. 
So I would never think that I could carry a, a podcast myself, first of all. Uh, sec- but I will say, if you tried to do a non-WWE only podcast, listens go way down. Because look, WWE is still the straw that stirs the drink. And look, it was different when it's different, I think, on the show when you get into the comparative state that you get into, where, in my opinion, it gets a little ridiculous. I've said that to you offline, too. Not about the show, just like, stop comparing them. They're great on their own or, or one's great. Yeah, stop one's comparing fun. the two biggest companies in wrestling going ahead. No, but again, yeah. one is one treats it like sport. One treats it like entertainment. So that's what I was trying to get at. But look, these what's people need to understand about the show and these podcasts. Brian does three episodes some weeks of In This Corner. One is MMA, one is boxing, and one is wrestling. Now, we call it WWE in the show name because that's what people search for. And we want to get new listeners, okay? But we talk about all of professional wrestling. The vast majority of this podcast, the vast majority, and maybe not this episode, is about WWE. Every episode, I am like kind of the producer editor of this show. I work and do a description of the episode with timestamps in them. <laughs> all you need to do is look at the description of the episode, see the time scan, see the timestamp, skip it. You don't have to listen to anything. That's not WWE. If you don't want, we're still here for you talking WWE every single week. So meanwhile, I'm trying to tell people like JB, don't listen to our show. Adam's like, no, listen, just listen to what you want. Hey, you had the opportunity. You had the spinoff chance right there to do the, uh, the uh, you know, because remember, like, wasn't, um, uh, what's that Urkel show? That was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Maybe the spinoff of the In This Silverstein podcast will go to an all new level. You and JB, you know, the, the future of the, uh, of the WWE. Maybe Family WWE. Family Matters, you mean? Look, look, well, I think we are going to get what one? Oh no, never mind. I was I was gonna say we might get one Silverstein episode, but Hell in a Cell is not a major pay per view, so there's no instant analysis. I was gonna say we might get one, but no, that's, <laughs> that won't even happen actually. All right, um, yeah, we wait. Go ahead. I got no, no. no I was, I was, all I was saying is I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you to stop listening to the show if you're like that idiot last week who updated a one star review to kind of criticize us for talking too much. Sorry, man. Uh, that's, that's literally what this is. It's a show about talking. Um, so I'm gonna crap on you and tell you not to listen if you're that guy. But if you're someone that doesn't like a part of the show, just skip it. I go through the work to allow you that option. Very easy. Because I'm the baddest member jammer in this company, brother. Yeah, believe that. Hey, to close here from Mick underscore Johnston, popped for your shout out to the Australian ITC community, BC. But Silver King's reference to, quote, some rugby stadium. Come on, man. Look up the Melbourne cricket ground. Sorry, Melbourne. It is literally one of, if not the most iconic sporting stadiums in world sport. Need to be better, Silver King. Need to be better. Silver King wasting no time to get the offense going here. Nick's coming for you. The thunder from down under. I don't normally say this, but he's right. Yeah. Wow. I should have known it was more than anything. I should have known it was me not knowing the name, whatever. But I should have known it's a cricket stadium, not a rugby stadium. My All right. Shout out to our down under crew. We close by putting our hands in the field spot. This has already been an overloaded episode, but Adam, we got a five time. And this week you and I had the same field spot. So we got to get into it. It surrounds our friggin' truth <laughs> on SmackDown. Adam, this was brilliant from start to finish. If you would have told me my guy, our truth would be in the main event of SmackDown and it would somehow make sense and work and be awesome. The main event match was fun, but really it was that backstage stuff opposite Carmella, who's going to be his mixed match challenge partner, which is brilliant booking on their part. 
R-Truth could become the star of this season two of Mixed Match. He might pull me in. Dude, Tuesday, he won. He won the show. He was great. Ty Dillinger was great. Maurice was great. Carmella was great. And The Miz was great. And the fact that in continuity, for continuity reasons, they mentioned the fact that they were a tag team and they had previously main evented SmackDown as a tag team. And now they're doing it one-on-one. And R-Truth got the win in the main event of SmackDown (laughs) and had the foresight to tell Ty Dillinger earlier, hey, bro, this is how you get yourself in the main event. It was brilliant writing again. It, it started well, it made sense, and it gave us a finish. I said earlier about Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Road Dog, if he is still the lead writer on SmackDown, for all the crap we gave him, he deserves massive praise for the last, really, couple months of TV, but the last three weeks of TV coming out of SummerSlam, maybe four or whatever, have been fantastic. SmackDown, as you said, right after WrestleMania, or after the Superstar Shakeup, clearly the A-show it is a different year. It's a different stratosphere than Raw right now. I'm going to go back in here and kill SmackDown. Uh, well said. And by the way, I love that you can take a character like R-Truth who does something really well, can do this type of comedy, and give him a little bit of a push. Why, they should do that more. They've got a lot of big-name guys who they're not using, which, not to go back to the all-in thing, but it's frustrating when you know there's a lot of talent on this roster not being used to potential and they see what's going on around the world. Hey, it was their choice to go to WWE, maximize themselves brand-wise, money-wise, but you still want to be used in something that matters. Shout out to R-Truth for getting a little bit of a spotlight. He worked great off of the Miz. That was fantastic. Incredible. Love it. Love where it's going. Love our listeners. Thank you to the Cody Masters for joining us. Thanos Backlund for having coffee with me this morning. Everyone sending me stuff. I got some Ripper Nutrition from the Boxing Podcast. Got some workout powder I've been doing. I got a free, I got, it's free season for the, you got got, a boxing, I'm I'm jealous of the boxing room. The people from the Contender, you can watch that on Epics. They got, that's ridiculous. The Boxing Room, Anderson Silva's PR lady sent me some hair gel. I got a lot going on in the, in the free swag game at the moment. You got swag out there, send it to BC. Maybe give the Silver King a look. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll give the Silver I got that. I don't even know who sent me that Apple TV one time. I got that as well. I'm so, so mad that you got an Apple TV. I'm still angry about that. As much as I love the Roku, it's my favorite. I have a spot in my house where I could use specifically an Apple TV to work with my iPhone. Oh, so angry about that. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe I just lost some listeners by telling people not to listen to the show if they liked Raw on Monday night. But look, this is my own personal issues. I'm working through it. Follow us on Twitter at In This Corner CBS at Silverstein Adam at B Campbell CBS. But you already knew that. Look, it's time to say goodbye, guys. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's a little rough, Randy. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. It is. It really is. Adam, you got any message for the people? We out.